Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPod11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, Will Parkinson NFL on YouTube. I need to start mentioning that, obviously. At least the video format of all these pods uh, in full or on shorts will be on YouTube going forward. I know a lot of people have asked about that and want to make sure we got that uh, that kind of worked out. Brad Spielberg on, no better time. We will be hanging out, sharing many conversations, many beers, not a lot of food uh, in a few days in Indy. Uh, Brad, how we doing? You've been a popular man. You're all over the place. I literally brought a pen to imitate Kevin Clark clicking a pen on uh, his pod. How we doing? Yeah, I saw he got a comment uh, telling him to please, please, God, stop doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm doing well, doing well. We uh, we had a good time in Vegas. We were just talking a little bit pre-show about that, but Indy's the best. Like I don't, I don't know if people realize how much fun the Combine Week is, and obviously you get a ton of work done. You're standing for 16 hours a day, but it's it's so worth it and so much fun. So yeah, just lo- looking forward to that. Getting ready for free agency, and uh, you know, just just starting to make the phone calls and, and try to get the, the the scuttlebutt around the NFL. Yeah, no, it's uh, Indy's a fun place. I will do a post Indy kind of recap. I know people like kind of like to have like a little bit of insight of kind of what goes on there. Um, it is you. You are tired each day. Let me oh, tell you, yeah. it is you are speed dating dudes talking about football for sixteen hours a day. It's it's a lot. Um, I obviously not much has changed right in the last couple of weeks. The Jets have made some coaching staff changes um, around the league. We've got some leaks. We've got some things like that of players who may be tagged, may not be tagged. You know, may hit the market, may not. Maybe you know, preliminary interest. Kind of a lot of. A little bit of horseshit here and there. You know, it's kind of, you know, league season a little bit. I guess I want to kind of, I want to start off with like where you feel like the Jets are at. I know it's a big picture question. I know we talk a lot about this, but I feel like since Mobile, it's been, you know, they lost their two top, you know, assistants in the front office. They've lost actually four or five offensive coaches. They've had other coaches on the defensive side interview other places. Like, there's been a lot of moving parts, but not a lot of big name moving parts. It feels like, you know, I think a lot of people, the Rex Hogan news was obviously probably the biggest news outside of the solid piece. Um, although I think Chad Alexander leaving is a much bigger deal in terms of he actually went and got a promotion with an organization who just, you know, obviously, you know, hired Jim Harbaugh. So I guess, yeah, what do you make of where the, I don't know, the vibes are on the Jets? It feels like they're horrible vibes, but I, I said this the other day, I don't think they should be quite as bad as they are. I think it's just, it's not been a lot of good news. It's been a lot of people leaving or, you know, obviously bad stories coming out. Yeah, the the athletic piece obviously was not the rosiest picture. And and look, there's stuff like that. There's petty infighting and uh, and paranoia and all that in pretty much every building. You just, you know, don't see a report on all 32. So I think it's still overall like, like they're going to be able to get everyone back on track. And it all just stems back to having Rodgers actually playing, being in the building every single day, lifting up the entire offense and making everyone happy. It's like when guys don't eat and when the guys aren't producing and that all does fall sometimes on the quarterback, it just the, the whole vibe gets ugly. There's then pitting the offense against the defense because the defense feels like they have to be perfect to win every single game. So once that balances out, I think it does just like elevate everything. I still think Salah can write the ship here. Obviously, you know, maybe Nathaniel Hackett uh, won't be as cracking as many jokes and being as quirky as, as he normally is. But, you know, like I said, wins cure everything. We'll get back on track there. So the Rex Hogan thing I do think is a little bit underappreciated. Been there for a super long time. Um, you know, was I, I know because I'm a Chicago guy. I was very well respected in Chicago where he spent like a dozen years before kind of elevating across the NFL. It is interesting. No question about it. But 
look, Joe Douglas is a connected guy, been in Philly, Baltimore, you know, now New York. Like if they want to build up personnel and add more talent there, they can do it. So yeah, I, I get there's a lot of negative stories and all that, but it can very quickly turn. Uh, and I think it probably should. Do you think the Jets go like an in-house promotion at this point to replace those guys? We've heard nothing. I honestly haven't heard much at all um, of anything going on. Like, do you think they go with the in-house promotions there? The Jets, frankly, have a very small analytic staff. Uh, Brian Shields, who runs that, and, and the different things like that. But like, they're they've got two or three analytics guys just at all in the building. It's not like a big analytic staff. They don't have either assistant GMs filled right now. Like, it, it doesn't it feel like a little? It does feel a little odd. We're February twenty second here. Got combine next week, and they're kind of still without their second and third right hand man to Joe Douglas entering the biggest offseason of this guy's regime for Salah and for Douglas, obviously like that doesn't go well this year. They're fired. It just feels a little odd. The timing of like, there's been zero interviews, zero anything about, you know, either of those positions. I will say, and obviously you know this and you're plugged in. So maybe you'll start hearing these things. Like a lot of that stuff is happening. We're just not hearing about it. It's not getting reported on. Just for example, there was a team uh, that announced this week, announced a coach that I had, been helping like transition for two months. Like he already knew the job was like probably going to come available. Um, and, and he was a top candidate. And so, and like the interviews are happening, things are percolating. Um, and it got announced this past week. So, um, like that stuff's probably happening. There are probably guys talking to the front office and, and trying to figure out, um, you know, like you said, like kind of how can we be an asset in this massive, massive offseason, have a top 10 pick, have some resources available to add more talent, um, you know, in, in this Rodgers window, the next one or two seasons. So that's what I would say is I, it's fair to be concerned and to wonder, like, what the heck's going on? My guess is well, it'll start trickling out. Like, yeah, they've been talking to a bunch of different people. They've had interviews or maybe there are some, you know, senior personnel advisor type guys. Like, I don't think we knew. I forget if it was Philly or Detroit that it came out like after the draft that John Dorsey had been in the building for like months before the draft. And that's like one of the greater talent evaluators of the last 20 years. Like he'd been there the whole time. We just didn't know. So I, I, I would I would trust that things are things are happening. We just they're not public. Yeah, the John Dorsey thing was funny. I remember last year at the senior bowl being like, oh, it's weird. Like John Dorsey's here. And then like just seeing him, you know, hey, how you doing? Whatever. And then, like, months later, it's like, oh, this is why he was here. And then we saw the Vic Fangio situation last year before the Super Bowl. Was literally working for the Eagles the whole time. Nobody had any idea. And then now, obviously, goes back. What did you make, by the way, that the that story that came out last night that Sirianni, like, is a dis, is not a functioning human without, like, Big Dom on the sideline because he loses emotions? I, I've said it when it happened. Like, that was as much as I know it was an overreaction in a lot of ways. I would have fired Sirianni. I, I think it was a clear out. Like, this team totally – lost he lost the locker room it felt like in a lot of ways they totally spiraled and you're gonna probably lose jason kelsey there's probably might lose fletcher cox these other guys that are like the core leaders in that room i just i don't know that like i don't know that was a weird story that you can't function without your sideline security guy in the field felt very i don't know how true it is but if that's true that to me personally that's a little embarrassing the thing for me, the issue that I have more and more as time goes on is that he is the CEO coach. He is not a play caller on either side of the football. If you're that guy, you need to be the one who's actually managing everyone else's emotions and keeping everyone else in check and making sure everyone is focused on the goal, you know, the, the task at hand. And so, like, let's say if he was a play caller and, and I don't know, he was so focused on offense and then he had some outbursts or you know, like Sean McVay has his like get back guy. Remember that story about the guy who like pulled him back out? Like, if there was like little quirks and intricacies like that, sure. When you're the the CEO head coach, like yeah, that, that can't happen. I always go back to the Chiefs game where he's like waving at fans or whatever he was doing, maybe maybe taunting the opposing sideline, and Jalen Hurts like pushes his arm down and is like, "Yo, like chill out." Like you can't have your like 26 year old quarterback telling your 40 year old head coach to like stop being a goon. <laughs> like yeah. again, like I think his I think a lot of that stuff does play. And of course, just like we talked top of the show, when you're winning, it's great, it's fun, it's cool. When you're losing, it's like this guy's a, like a moron. I do think the like the, the the high energy, the like cocky brashness, like wearing his players like on, on his t-shirts, like I think a lot of that does play. But if there's a lack of ability to turn that off and know when it's not appropriate, and when like your season is spiraling and you, and you're yeah getting in arguments and fighting with players, like that can't happen. So 
you know, I, I still see a path forward. They obviously let him, you know, bring in Vic Fangio and Kellen Moore, pretty strong, you know, two coordinators to bring in. But yeah, like again, you're not calling the plays on, on that sideline. Your, your job at that point is like, I want no penalties. I want everyone, no one lined up in the wrong spot, running the wrong route, doing the wrong thing. Like that's kind of your, your more the details guy. And if you're hot headed and barking at people and can't control yourself with that big dom, that's not it's not great. Dre Greenlaw ended the uh, ended the Eagles, and then the turf, the grass in in Vegas ended Dre Greenlaw. It's just a disaster, uh, disaster, I guess. There, um, I want to hit on this quickly. It comes out. I, I knew this for two weeks now, but Salah's not going to not going to Indy. Not going to speak. Not going. The Jets are sending some assistant coaches and. Joe Douglas likely won't see Hackett. You know, maybe Ulbrich will be there. I don't. I doubt Hackett will be there either. I'm going to clarify this here because people are going to say, "Oh, you're being a typical fan. You just want to like, why are you complaining? Like, it's not a first of all, it's not being a typical fan. Um, this is taking my fan hat off and putting my brain, you know, on. I don't care that Sal's not speaking. I quite frankly don't give a fuck that he's not speaking. He says nothing when he speaks. That's the way people are politicians when they're head coaches. That's what happens. I don't care that Mike Tomlin's not going and going to speak. By the way, Mike Tomlin was at every single day of Mobile on the field working with players every single day and has not had a single losing season. So I don't really care what Mike Tomlin does. Um, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, you know, oh, they're not going to go. That's unfortunate. Um, the Rams haven't had a first-round pick in like 28 years. And, you know, they, his entire assistant staff was there. He's there every year. The Rams have an incredible GM. Sean McVay is an incredible evaluator of talent. And they've won a Super Bowl and been to Super Bowls. Kyle Shanahan, the same. Uh, you know, Matt LaFleur, who's been at the combine spoken every year is not going to go this year that's great he's won what like 50 games in four years uh won playoff games the only two guys that are not speaking or going that are weird to me are dennis allen and robert Sala, both guys who very easily could have gotten fired this year and very might very easily could get fired if things go south next year uh, it's an optics thing for me there's a piece that came out a month ago that no one's commented on that Robert Sala was a lot of excuses, um, things that I didn't think people thought about him. Right, like there's, a, it just wasn't a good, wasn't a good look for him. Um, checking people's phones for leaks and all these different things. A lot of it, who cares? Combine was a great spot to say, look, you know, things haven't really worked for us the last couple of years. Let's change it up. I want to start seeing some of these guys in per. I don't know. It doesn't really. It's again, it's not even about the actual act of being there. Yes, there's in person visits, the top thirty visits. You'll meet these guys in person. Um, pro days, et cetera, no problem there. I guess my just my issue is like this mentality of like I don't have to do this, and I don't know. Like twenty other coaches are going, I think twenty six GMs go. Um, I just I don't know. It feels like to not take the Senior Bowl. There was not a lot of Jets people at the Senior Bowl. There's not going to be a lot of Jets people at the Combine. It's not even about me or anybody else looking for information or whatever. It's just like a principle thing of you've won you know, what, 21 games over the last three years combined? No, less than that. Uh, I take that back. They've won 18 games over the last three years combined. Um, I just feel like in an all-in year, the optics are bad to not go again, to not speak, to not do anything. And then he'll be at the owner's meeting when there's no pressure and, you know, and it'll be like, oh, look, I'm answering questions. I just, I don't know, I'm a little frustrated with it. Is that, am I off base here? Am I being emotional here? Like, what, am I, what, do I, what do you take from this? Yeah, it's interesting. I, like, I think to the to the point of speaking at the podium, like, and you said this yourself. Like, I, I care less about that. If you want to skip that, because look, you even say like, "Well, reporters ruined my birthday, so I'm not going to give any sound bites." To, and like, you know what? Fine. Like, that's honestly good. For, yeah, great. Yeah, great. I don't blame. Yeah, that's cool. Like, I'm totally fine with that because you know they're going to have the you know the the availability for him and Joe sitting at the table in in Florham Park at some point. Um, you know that that'll come for every team. But I do look. There are teams like the Rams, like you mentioned. I think Sean McVay and Les Snead have not gone in years. They also have one of the most robust analytics departments in the entire NFL. They have a massive scouting department that they empower. I mean, there's reason Brad Holmes is already one of the best GMs in the NFL in Detroit. Um, and there are more and more people like him that are coming through the ranks in LA. They have a coaching, you know, nucleus and and kind of this foundation consistently that, churning out head coaches. Right. If you have a, you know, if you've had a beer with Sean McVay, uh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. a tree, obviously, yeah. So I just I, – I will say this. like, And, and it's funny because, you know, I'm the quote-unquote analytics guy, whatever. Can, can you get film from the Senior Bowl? She, yes. I was on the field for two Senior Bowls, and I was like, this is different. Like I – you know, as a guy who probably thinks, oh, you can just look at the data or you can watch the film. Like, yeah, sure. You can get a lot of it there. And, again, they're getting tracking data. We now know that, you know, Jim Nagy tweets out like the speeds and all that. There's so much there. Um, 
but it's just sometimes it's just different about walking around, seeing a dude in person, seeing their mannerisms, seeing things that are not going to be on the film, seeing how they are around other people, and like the, the personality element. The, you know, does he help a guy up on his team? Like all this, and it sounds so cliche, and I get that, but that's football. It is like it really, really is. So it's yeah, I, I don't love it because I also think at the end of the day, the interview stuff is huge. I get you're not having a quarterback up on the whiteboard, but like. You know, you, you can learn a lot about a top 10 pick you're going to make that could be a tackle or receiver or a it's key a, premium a, position it player. It comes down to the thing like, let's just say they want Olu Fashano, right? Right. High character guy, whatever. That's that's everything you hear about him. So you can meet him on the top 30 visit and his pro day. That's two visits. Wouldn't it be nice to have a third? Why not have a third time to speak to him? Because the more and more you speak to somebody, the more and more. Like, is this guy the same every time he comes in the every time he comes in the meeting room? Is he the same? Is he calculated? Is he not? Is he somebody that... That stuff does matter. And the more you meet somebody, the more you figure out who they are, how they tick. I would just rather have three 30-minute conversations with somebody than two. Like, I, I just would. And frankly, we talked about on the show plenty. Like, the early rounds have been solid. The late rounds have been the issue. It's been a and like, they always go off the board. Always. Yeah. And so it's like you're going to go to these pro days, obviously, at all the Power Five you know, programs that you're obviously going to go. Are you going to go to a pro day for guys that are going to go sixth, seventh round? Like, were they at the HBCU combine in New Orleans? I don't know. I think it's at all 32 teams were there, but I don't know if Salah was there. I don't know how many head coaches were there, but you mentioned the Steelers. I know Omar Khan was at, was at the, you know, uh, you know, he's also a Tulane guy. So maybe there's, you know, but anyway, like I do think as maybe as dumb as it sounds, yeah, like you can buy, build credibility to where no Rams fan is like, ah, shucks. I wish Les Need and Sean McVay were the combine. Well, they've been masters in the, on day three for seven, eight years in a row. Like, not every year, sure. But, like, it's just, yeah, it, it's not the best optics. And I don't care about the podium, even though that's our job. And I'm trying to get sound bites and go viral on TikTok. But, uh, like, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I always think if I was was part of a club, like, it, it, it would mean a lot to me to have as many touch points as possible in person uh, with, with these players. Yeah, look, and I, I think you mentioned, you know, the Rams and stuff like that. Two years ago, I vividly remember, you know, they didn't have a pick till I believe, the third round. That was the Cole Strange draft and the whole thing. And. You know, McVeigh and Sneed, obviously, you know, joking up there, um, you know, et cetera. Story for an, for an off-camera thing. But, you know, not for nothing, between that draft and last draft, they drafted like seven almost blue-chip level starters, you know, on day three, and day two, day three, the last two years. That's why, but they're, the reason I said is because there's people crawling all over Indy, uh, Rams gear on. Like, there's so many scouts, so many different coaches and things like that there that okay, maybe, you know, maybe Snead and, and McVay aren't there, but it feels like there's a huge presence there. Not where it's like, oh, you know, we send some people and and that's great. And they do, you know, obviously Rex Hogan, you know, last couple of years is always in Indy and things like that. But, uh, you know, and Joe Douglas will be there. Not going to get much from his presser. Joe doesn't say very much publicly. Um, I want to kind of transition to some of the free agent guys here before we, we've talked a ton about Bryce off. I'll start with him because he's the one big internal guy. You, know, you you wrote the article today. You had him going to the Commanders. Um, you know we've seen Matt. You know um, Matt Waldman. Um, I believe that's pronounced his name right. You know at, at ESPN, who does a really nice job. You know had him going to the Giants. Um, you know both teams. You know with some serious cap room. We've seen some Bears stuff as well. I would just say this about Huff, and there's been a lot of discussion. You know Jason Fitzgerald, who's obviously a good friend of the show. Good. Friend. Uh, obviously, we know well. You know, kind of mentioned to Rich Samini about a week ago. He thinks that a deal is going to get done with Huff and the Jets before, right? Kind of the eleventh hour before you know free agency opens. He thinks he might be asking for twenty. It ends up, you know, you know, I, I didn't say three for fifty-one for no reason. Like that's not. A, I didn't make that up, and I haven't been making that up for months. Um, I say all that to say, like, people have asked, you know. Do some, would some do other teams view maybe Huff the same way the Jets would, or you know, vice versa? I would kind of just phrase it this way, and I'll turn it over to you because I'm yapping quite a bit on this pod. Just because like not every team would value Huff in the same way, even a Josh Uche, even Shaq Barrett back in the day, Hassan Reddick, whatever it may be. There's certain schemes that he's going to fit great in, and a lot of the teams that have a ton of money this offseason that need pass rush help fit that fit him and his profile and all the analytics is great the film's awesome the age is premier for what you're looking for out of, of a pass rusher there's not a lot of tread on the tires there's no limited injury history he had the neck kind of slash back thing one year but other than that it was a sprained ankle there's not been much else this he's kind of like the he's not the perfect free agent because every free agent gets the free agency for a reason everyone has an issue one way or another but like he's as 
kind of clean coming into a free agency period as you're going to look for when it's premier position, age, again, ability, upside, et cetera. Just because not every team is going to view him as an $18, $19 million a year guy, there's probably some teams that will, and the price always gets driven up. So I guess what do you make of this whole situation? Because I feel like it's changed quite a bit over the last three to four months. Yeah, just the 11th hour thing is interesting just because I find it it's going to be tougher and tougher for him and his camp to, like, again, there's no tampering. They're not, like, getting offers. But you get a gauge of what the market's going to look like, and you get an understanding of, uh, you know, first you'll see – do we get tags in the next two weeks for Josh Allen and Brian Burns? Yes. Um, and then, like you mentioned, like, look, is Daniel Hunter a better all-around football player than Bryce Huff? Sure. But he's going to be 30 years old next year. He missed, like, an entire season with a neck issue. Um, you know, again, I still think he'll be a good signing for someone. But, like, once you go through all the boxes and, like, kind of take all those things out, you're, you're spot on. The guys that can tend to do better than you would expect. Like, I'll give an example of last offseason where it was above my projection. I think everyone was shocked. And I know he didn't play very well this year. But – Juwan Taylor goes for four years, 80 million. And people are like, what in the f- is going on there? Look, he was 24, I think, as a free agent. He had missed, a, he missed, I think, two snaps in four years. Like, it was something crazy like that. Like, he literally, like, did not come off the field for four straight years in a row. And for us on true pass sets, he was a top 15 right tackle. So it was like, you're, you're shocked by the number, and I get why you are. And again, I had it like 16, 17, he got 20. Um, but still, it's like, those things matter, and that, and teams are more willing to kind of make those splashes if they check all those boxes. And look, Taylor had a lot of penalties, still didn't miss a snap the whole season. So, yes, I just think it's going to be tougher for them to not realize that someone else – I mentioned Washington in the article. Actually, you're talking about Matt Bowen, who was obviously phenomenal at ESPN. I don't even know what name. Did I say Waldman? You said Matt Waldman, who's yeah. the guy who does great film breakdowns on Twitter. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew what you meant. Uh, I put the Giants actually as an option too, so I'm glad he did as well because that guy knows ball as well as anyone in the media space. Like, yeah, like a lot of teams, Chicago probably would at least explore that as well. I just find it tough. Like, I I think that the time to do it passed. And now that teams sit there and be like, oh, we missed our window. It's more expensive now, so we're not going to do it. It just, he's not quite at the tag level in my eyes. And the Jets probably to a degree are like, we could have got this done for a little bit less. And we have to now just let him go get the market. Have to at least make an offer. There's got to be an offer made. Yes, and you hope that he wants to stay in the, uh, with the team and stay in the city and not move, and he likes the coaching staff and likes Salah, who obviously those guys did develop him and, and help him become who he is. But, yeah, you, you know in the back of your mind there are stronger offers that are going to be made to this player. So Yeah, it. I've said this for a while. Can you just walk people through, because this question I get all the time, how they're just going to fit Huff in, how they can fit these different things in. For example, in Alan Lazard this year, four for 44, obviously really a two-year deal in terms of guarantees. But this year was like cap hit, I think, was three to four million bucks. This year, it's like 13 or 14 million. I asked that to say, like, I've said it for a while. I think the best way to make, keep Huff is to offer something in that 16 to $18 million a year true money range. But to balloon the actual total number, you know, up, like in the 100 million range, because he's an undrafted free agent. And he can now say, I was a $100 million edge rusher. And you can always have that tag, which means, you know, on a next contract, because he likely will get a next contract if he plays th- you know, throughout 28, 29, he'll still get paid again. You like literally get more money. It's like being a first round pick. Like you just get more money because of status. Yeah. Like what's the harm in doing three for 51, but in reality, structuring it to be five for a hundred, that's, you're never going to really, you know, a ballooned year five number of $38 million, whatever it is. Like, is that how it works? You just like walk through a little bit of how you can make something work where like the Jets could make his number or we'll get to Brissett or someone in a minute, you know, then it's not really going to be a $12 million a year player this year. Like, how does that kind of work, I guess? Yeah, so you do see that uh, across the NFL where players, they want to be stacked up in a certain way. They want to, you know, rank uh, by APY across their position a certain way. So you get these these back-end year inflation numbers. From a player, I don't see why they would care, uh, you know, or agents. But, I, I mean, I do know. It's because it makes the player look good. It makes the agent look good. It's all optics and everything. Look, every team in the league, if it's a non-guaranteed salary, they'd sign you for 10 years, $500 million. But really, the first two years is a you know an actual cash flow in line with what they think you are you know worth on the market, um, and then the end is just fugazi and means nothing. So, but you can though. Like for example, Tyron Smith, you know, who's now a free agent for the first time in his career, um, he's had an eight-year extension with the Cowboys for a hundred mil, and it's like 
why would you take an eight-year extension as a tackle? I think he, I wrote an article about it once. Like, I think he gave the Cowboys – he probably saved them $50 million over his extension. But it's because he wanted to be the first nine-figure – you know, I think I think it was non-quarterback. I think at that point, like, nobody, not even just tackle, non-quarterback, maybe edge rusher. But anyway. And so, like, you do see stuff like yeah, I think that. think it was just J.J. Watt was the only other guy at that point. That's, that's probably right. Yeah. That's probably right. So, right. So, so first, non-defensive player, non-quarterback to get 100 – you know, to get nine figures on a deal – and he actually did play the whole deal, which is insane. I guess last year he took a pay cut, but like it's bananas that he almost finished that contract. But so you do see stuff like that. Like, look, the Von Miller Bills deal was what six years, one hundred and twenty million. Kaepernick deal back in the day. I know Rosillo pointed that out a couple weeks ago. It was like seven for a hundred, and he played one year on it. Right, right. <laughs> so it does happen. Look, if if the guys care about that, they want to boost the APY. Alvin Kamara's five years, seventy five. I think twenty twenty five. He has a twenty five million dollars salary. Uh, so you know he'll definitely they'll definitely pay that out. Um, but yeah, so like that, yeah, if, if that's a priority, you know, to a degree, teams are certainly open to doing it. I guess it depends. Maybe from their perspective, it's like, but then other players might not understand that and might ask us for these massive numbers and we'll say, yeah, but they're not going to say it's fake money because anyway, so yeah, it is a thing. Um, if I was an agent, I would tell my client, this is not what we should care about. He's with, you know, I don't need to get into the details. Hoff's with a with big, one of the biggest agencies in the sport that knows what they're doing. Um, I can imagine they're kind of being like, no, we're trying to get you paid because you're a undrafted guy that hasn't made a bunch of money. Like we're focusing on cash flow the first two, three years of this deal. Um, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about a couple of other guys. Um, Calvin Ridley is an interesting one. I can tell you a lot of Jets players want Calvin Ridley. Not that that matters. I know Sauce has tweeted about him. He is not the only Jets defensive back. Well, that heavily, heavily yeah. wants uh, that heavily wants Calvin Ridley. I can tell you for a fact and having some comment like, they they really he's really highly respected um, around the league at least in terms of the way he plays football. I, I don't know. I think he's not looked upon quite as favorably by like the media league side maybe as he is by other players. But again, that doesn't mean it's a good or a bad thing. It's just some perspective. Jets were interested in him a couple years ago. Obviously, there was the mental health stuff he had a little bit, and then you know the gambling stuff. Again, I don't know if we're ever going to really know if that mental health stuff was to do with the gambling stuff because it obviously. It kind of coincided a little, uh, whatever. I guess he's 29, older older free agent in terms of what you'd expect. He's only, this is his first contract. Obviously, first time he's a free agent. I don't see a reason for you, if you're the Jags, like you could still re-sign him eventually if you wanted to and the market looks the way it's worth. But at this point, to just give up a second round pick and have to probably, you know, I don't know if it's worth it. I believe they give up a third round pick if they don't re-sign him. Correct. I don't, it elevates yeah. to a second if he signs an extension. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've said I think he's a guy that's like three for 60. The first two years are pretty much not, not maybe not fully guaranteed, but pretty high guarantees in the first two years. It's like a three-year deal, typical. If it's the Jets, a typical Joe Douglas three-year deal, that's really two years. Is that number like somewhat accurate? I mean, I don't know. I feel like Ridley's one that like some people are like three for 45. Some people are like four for 100. Like, I don't know. What is he getting just because age there has been the off the field stuff but he hasn't taken a lot of you know hits and he got way better the second half of the year like the first half or second half numbers i went back watched every ridley game because i was like i gotta really doing the free agency big board for for badlands i gotta know what i'm talking about here much different player second half of the year um which is to be expected when you miss a year and a half usually you look a lot fucking better the second half of the year i guess what do you make of ridley's market because again i don't know if all these other guys are gonna hit the market which means ridley's gonna only get elevated it's funny you say that because I said that on a radio show this morning. Like people, you know, the drops are not good, but like I think eighty percent of his drops came in the first eight weeks of the season, and then they, they kind of fell off. So it's funny actually. Jason Fitzgerald and I have the exact same projection, which is three years, fifty-one for Calvin. I know you were Ooh, talking so about I that. Was, I was over. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Like you said though. Like you said though. If you get three six, that'd be a perfect example. You get three sixty because he wants the twenty million per year. But the third year, you know, the first, the cash flow in the first two years is closer to 17, 18. And then the third year is, you know, whatever. Like, Tyree Kill's contract is a three year, $75 million deal. Devontae Adams' contract is a three year, $67.7 million deal. Like, they're not, not I know they're making 30 mil and 28 <laughs> mil. No, they're making 25 and 22 and a half. So, um, like, that's, yeah. So that's, a, that's a, you know, it's a perfect example. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's in that range. And I do think. The, the Jaguars dynamic is fascinating because they messed up by not getting Josh Allen done last offseason for multiple reasons. Uh, a, this is a classic, like, again, PFF is not always right, but, like, 
the underlying metrics screamed that he was going to have a season with 16 or 17 sacks in the near future. Like last year, his pressure rate and pass rush win rate were almost the same as this past, this past season, but he had like eight sacks. And of course he had what, 17 and a half this year, whatever it was. So um, it was just funny. It was like a classic, like this guy's better than his production. You should probably sign him now. Um, and now they have to tag him. And so the tag is, cause it's the thing. It's the same conditions as the Leonard Williams trade. If you remember where the, the giants and jets had the same idea. If he gets extended, the pick elevates, they tagged him and let him play on the tag, which did not count as an extension. It would be the same in Jacksonville, but they can't, they, they have to tag Josh Allen. They don't have a choice. Or you give them legitimately four years, 120 mil, like right now. Like you're giving the guy $30 million a year um, if you're trying to buy your way out of the tag. So long, I don't even know where the question was at this point. But yes, Calvin Ridley's very good. I agree with you. I think his film got way better second half of the year. He's a phenomenal separator, intermediate and deep levels. He has good hands. I get why he's respected. Like, he's a smooth mover. He's like a good football player. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It's going to get bumped up because T. Higgins and, and Michael Pittman are not actually available. Yeah. I, I did want to hit on the – just to finish in the edge market because I think – I saw Joe Caparoso, obviously, with Badlands, said that, you know, if the, they was half of Josh Uche potentially on, like, a one-year deal. Um, I will say I like Josh Uche. If you want to talk about guys who can't play against the run um, – I'll just leave it at that. I fun pass rusher. There's a reason Bryce Huff is a top 20 free agent and Josh Uche is not. Um, yeah. It's not just the pass rush stuff. I, I did, I do want to ask this because you see the Brian, I tweeted about it yesterday. Um, we talked actually about Brian Burns and Bryce Huff in, in different manners. If their draft tags were flipped. Uh, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I just, Josh Allen's going to be a $30 million a year player or 25, whatever it is. And it makes sense. He's a top 10 pick. He's young. He's been awesome. He's gotten better every year. Cornerstone guy. Burns is a good player. I'm not saying he's not a good player. Five for 150. (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, he's an eight sack guy this year. And like the quarterback hits and pressure rate are not indicating that he's going to like all of a sudden be a 20 sack guy. I just, I like the player. Like, totally like the player. Again, it's not beating him up in any way, shape, or form. I just, if you told me I can have Bryce Huff three for 50, or I can have Brian Burns five for 150, like, no offense. I'm taking Huff every day and twice on Sunday. Am I crazy? Or, like, it's not beating up on Burns. It just feels like it's Josh Allen, and I I think there's a gap to the next guy. It's it's draft status. Like, I do like Brian Burns as a player, but I've even heard, you know, people say, like, the media and the outside fan likes Brian Burns more than the league probably does at this point. Um, I mean, look, I, and, and I can tell you, by the way, Joe Person, who works at The Athletic, uh, whenever he writes about the Panthers, he's right every time. He is very, very plugged in. Uh, he wrote an article, I think it was past week, how the final offer was five years, $27 million per year from the, uh, the, the, the Panthers. I'm guessing it was a very weak you know, overall actual structure. And then apparently Burns wanted shorter term was the biggest thing for Burns. Uh, and I also think, frankly... He's asking for so much from Carolina because he just wants to leave. But maybe I'm wrong in, in that assessment. But um, it makes sense to me. So, like, uh, yeah, a quick shout out. If Joe Person says, if you're a Panthers fan, listen to this for some reason. If Joe Person says something, I believe it. Um, he, he's gotten like a hundred things right in the last couple of years. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree. Like Burns is a phenomenal football player, but also not very good against the run. Um, I, I do think. You know, like he's, I would say, a better lateral athlete, a little bit springier, bendier, like, but still, Huff is so good um, at specifically just rushing the passer, winning one-on-ones, um, and he's a little bit stiffer, but still a really, really good football player. So, no, I think it's crazy at all. That's what it comes down to is, like, it's my job. Like, we lose sight of, at the end of the day, value matters. Like, yes, Burns is better, but is he $10 million per year better than Bryce Huff? No, probably not. I want to hit on Brandon IU quickly and Cortland Sutton, two guys who we talked about. I know we talked a little bit of God, Godwin is another name. The Bucks are very confusing to me because they have, like, they went all in with Brady. They won the Super Bowl. They obviously blew the game against the Rams, who ended up winning the title. They got smoked by the Cowboys, and this year had a really fun year. Um, the division sucks, obviously. So the Bucks are kind of like have to stay in an all-in window. They kind of 
already made their bed. They're just going to have to keep pushing stuff down the road. And like they have cap space to be able to push stuff, more stuff down the line. The issue is they got to pay Baker. They got to pay Evans. They got to, I don't know if they're going to really pay Godwin on the money he's on. Um, they got to pay Antoine Winfield, who's literally their best player. Um, there's a lot there. And then I don't like, I don't know. There's just, they have a lot of issues there. Um, but I say all that because, you know, Sutton's a name who we got we floated out. I, I don't know if, I think Ben Albright, maybe somebody else with the Broncos mentioned, he'd be available for probably a, you know, a fourth or a fifth round pick. Sutton on, on a two year, $26 million deal, 28 years old. That's pretty, I don't know. It's a pretty reasonable, like he's a lot better than Alan Lazard and like they'd be on similar money. It makes sense, especially for that draft capital. And I literally, I, I just, I don't know. They're, they're interesting names, in, in my opinion. Like, those, that part of the receiver market, like, what do you make of that next tier? Because, you know, I think Ridley's the top of it, but there's also a couple other names that definitely stand out. And we'll get to one of their uh, former Packers as well in a minute. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Sutton's interesting. I think the trade compensation would be very cheap if Denver finally wants to move on. Like, they were trying to get, like, a third, fourth, and that even wasn't coming around. Sutton's still a very, very good, you know, jump ball receiver. I think it's probably a little bit of loss of speed and, and separation ability post-ACL, but he's one of the best high pointers still in the entire NFL. Um, and, and that obviously, you know, down the red zone, which was a massive issue, the loss of a Corey Davis, you know, like, that's, like, there's there's some similarities there. So, the next tier of receiver, I still think there are some solid football players, but it's no doubt it's a drop-off from, you know, Ridley and Evans. Like, I still, when I watch Marquise Brown's tape, I know he's missed a bunch of time and all his soft tissue stuff, but still a very good route runner, um, a lot of, like, wiggle to his game and just, like, create late separation, very savvy and kind of nuanced with his movements and what he does. Um, you know, I still like him, but then very quickly, you're getting into your Darnell Mooney's, your Gabe Davis's, like – Wide receiver, guys that are probably could be twos, probably should be threes. Like, good football players, no question, in the right situation. I still, maybe I'm biased because I'm a huge fan of his, but, like, I just think Mooney, when healthy, can separate at a very high level at the intermediate level. But, like, just, you know, it's a lot of drop issues and contested catch stuff, which it's funny because it wasn't the problem early on in his career. But anyway, yeah, it's it's a clear drop-off. There's no question about it. Are you, because, again, I do not think he gets traded. but. I said it, we said it weeks ago. If he gets traded, it does make sense. The Niners are going to give probably one offer. They're going to stick to it and say, okay, someone blow us over the trade, or you're probably going to take our offer or we're going to counter with something pretty, pretty similar. I mean, I still, if you could figure out a way to do like, I don't know, if you could figure out tackle and free agency in the trade market somehow, if you're the Jets, I don't know why you can. 31 for 10 and set or whatever 10 in a future something like the Niners get to get up to 10 they probably end up taking another receiver or they take somebody you know offensive lineman whatever and the Jets end up with Ayuk and they get an interior guy at 31 or Tyler Guyton or someone to tackle like it's not the craziest idea you can pay him do you think he gets traded still or is this like a classic what happened with Debo what happened with Bosa like the Niners are in a, a little bit of a weird spot they've like been all in for a while now and like still haven't won obviously and probably get to what re-up McCaffrey I'm sure at some point right I mean they have to pay Purdy obviously eventually just feels like they're in a weird spot with Ayuk where that Debo deal maybe not aging quite as well as I think they were hoping yeah it's certainly not it's not as like the guy guy who's always hurt getting hurt more as he gets older is is crazy right right and just the loss of burst and like bouncing off tackles in the open field like it's just not going to be at his game isn't going to age phenomenally per se he's a good football player but like it's just i don't it's not a style you think ages particularly well um yeah look it's not the classic like oh x team should trade for justin jefferson like it's not that dumb it's not because like you said they are just paying so many people the Samuel deal hasn't aged particularly great, and so maybe they get some sticker shock of just paying another receiver. I do think this trade, though, is even if you have to extend him immediately, I think it's borderline two firsts. Like, I think maybe it doesn't quite get there because you get no cheap years. Like, a lot of that, you do get the fifth year option, but it's like 14.8 mil, I want to say. It's not, so yeah, not, it's not, really it's not, a, it's not a third round yeah, receiver. Yeah, it's not player. a cheap year. So that does bring it down a little bit. Like, you, you get more compensation when you, you get at least that one rookie contract year, like after three years type of thing. Well, there's no question of first, and I think a day two pick is at still at minimum. Um, and I'm extremely high on Ayuk. I think he's legitimately a top 15, 20 wide receiver in the NFL. Um, like, I think he really is that good. But, yeah, look, like, the Jets, obviously, at that point, 
you, know, you don't have your second this year. You know, it would get interesting. But I, anyway, I don't think he's going to trade. I think you'll see, just like you said, Debo put in a full trade demand, was pissed off, hated the initial offer. He had the call with A.J. Brown that like, was on the internet. The Niners negotiate as tough as anyone in the NFL. And look, they've been very successful. They've signed a lot of good players to long-term deals. Um, it's not just them. I don't really get why teams do this, where their initial offer is insulting. Every team does it. I don't understand it. But, um, hey, I'm not, I'm not in the league, so, you know, what do I know? But, um, yeah, they're going to make his initial offer to IU for, like, 18 mil, and he's going to be like, fuck you guys. And then it's going to, like, turn into 25, six mo- three months later, and be like, why didn't you just start at, like, 21? And, like, anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, I would say it's, like, 30%, 20% that it, that it gets traded. Like, it's, it's not zero, but it's definitely not above 50. Yeah. I want finish on the last two here. MVS, I want to finish on Devontae because there was a conversation yesterday on ESPN. There was an interesting discussion. Like, you know, Mike Lombardi, who pretty plugged in with the Raiders, um, probably not quite as much as he was, but it was like, the Jets should do this. This is one of the only trades I've seen of big-name guys that's rumored that actually makes sense for both sides. We've talked about that, but I want to talk about MVS quickly. Um, I know it's not going to excite anybody. I understand he's overpaid in Kansas City. I understand he has drop issues. I understand all of that. I would say it's a pretty good chance if he hits the open market, he's on the Jets next year. Um, and if he's your, him and Lazard are your 3-4, and you get a legitimate 1B to Garrett Wilson, I don't mind it. And not for $12 bucks a year. Um, but MVS is a deep option to stretch the field. Lazard is kind of a red zone, big body guy. Um, and then, you know, it's a Ridley or it's, so obviously probably not going to be IU, but whatever. If it's that type of situation where you get a legit number two, I don't hate the MVS move at all. Fans will get pissed about it, but you know, dude caught <laughs> a touchdown in the Super Bowl and had probably his playoff run was awesome. Like he was legitimately what you hope he's supposed to be and what he kind of the player he was in Green Bay. Obviously, not a lot of fans always watch every other game, and you know they see the drop against Green Bay and the drop against Philly and think he sucks. Again, not saying he's a good player, but. Am I crazy? MVS on the Jets is like, if he's an open free agent, like I literally put it fifty percent. He he ends up. I would put uh, it quite high. I put it quite high. I think that the Chiefs will approach him for a pay cut first. Like he is, owe twelve million in cash this upcoming season. I think there's close to a zero percent chance they're willing to pay that full number. Um, you know, so of course, chop it down to seven and add incentives that can get all the way back up there. Um, and maybe he says, you know, it's worth doing that. I've won, been here two years, won two rings, and have made good money. And like you said, both of his playoff runs, the first playoff run may have been better than, the, than this past year, and he was important at times. Um, if he does get outright cut, yeah, the Jets probably is like a borderline lock that they bring him in. Look, he is a good field stretcher, which does benefit everyone else underneath and helps everyone around you. Um, but even like the touchdown catch in the Super Bowl, like he was like fighting it with his hands. Like he's just not a natural catcher of the football. Um, so I, trading for him to me is a non-starter, but... The only way I trade for him hypothetically, and again, it would be a late pick, Kansas City would take whatever, is if you say, all right, we're going to extend you, and I did air quotes if you can't see my screen, extend you, and really what it does is, all right, you're owed 12, we're going to tack on a year, maybe two, but your first year cash is going to come down. Um, yeah, we'll guarantee, you know, like because there's nothing guaranteed right now, we'll guarantee you that money in the first year, but yeah, it's just it would just be poor roster management. I, I don't want to always make this joke. If they trade for Marquez Valdez-Scantling and pay him $12 million, it's an Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. There's not a front office in the entire National Football League that would think that's a remotely good idea. There's not a person in a front office that think that's a good idea. So if that happens, like that's only Aaron Rodgers doing that, and you just you can't have that. Like he was GM Rodgers stunk last offseason, so he he should have less less power. But anyway, yeah, if he gets cut, um, I, I do think that I wouldn't mind that at all. Give him a two year deal. Um, let him come in. Yeah, I'd be I'd be cool with that. Yeah, two for fourteen and a half. I don't know fourteen. Right. Or yeah, something no, exactly. Like that. Great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to finish on this, and then obviously we'll we'll do some stuff before, uh, you know, after the combine once stuff kind of kicks off. The, the discussion around Devontae, as I mentioned, is really interesting. I think everyone's assuming it's now not going to happen because they brought Antonio Pierce back. I actually, like, weirdly almost think there's a better chance it happens now because of the GM they hired. And Tom Telesco is not a traditional GM in a lot of senses. I, I don't feel like he – maybe, like, sometimes I feel like he goes all in when it's probably the wrong time to go all in and – and vice versa. The Raiders, in my opinion, the Raiders should trade Devontae now because every year he gets older, his value will drop. Yes, I know the money is better for them next year to trade him. I just think for them this year, it's like they don't have a quarterback. They likely would have to trade up and trade significant capital to go get one. If you go do that, 
you probably need to trade some guys to, you know, get that capital back to address, you know, receiver again and get younger offensive line. Look, I don't think they're going to be very good next year. I think the Chargers are all in. The Chiefs are obviously all in. Um, the Broncos and the, and the Raiders kind of have to retool quarterback and other things. I, I say, I'll say, like, any chance Devontae gets traded? Or are we still in the, the mindset of, like, probably not because him and Pierce, like, were buddies? But, again, we've seen before, it really doesn't matter. Um, Antonio Pierce is not the GM. And Devontae Adams loved Antonio Pierce and still talked a ton of shit about getting traded and liked a bunch of stuff like during the season. So I, I don't know. I don't know really what to make of it, but it feels so jets to like get that Devante. It feels like it's been talked about for a year now. I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. I will say even beyond Pierce, I wouldn't, if I was a jets fan, be super encouraged by the Luke Getzey hire. Cause Devante absolutely loves Luke Getzey. There's some quotes from back when they were in green Bay together. Um, that were like going around, you know, Bears Twitter when the Bears hired Getzy, just talking about how incremental, you know, Getzy was to Adams' development or like not even development because he was a developed player at that point, but just like he loved the guy, he really, really did. So that kind of works against it. But like you said, at the end of the day, it does not really matter if the GM comes in and we know the ownership said we want an experienced GM to pair with a with a new rookie head coach. I think they could have hired any other experienced GM on the planet, and it probably would have been a better uh, addition. I just don't, I'm, I still don't get that hire. Like it, it really doesn't. I've heard he's the nicest guy. I'm such a dick, but I it just he wasn't good in, in L.A. Like respectfully, it was it was bad. Um, but yeah, he's he's probably is a super nice guy because he got another job. So anyway, like yeah, like Devonte. I think the big thing too is if I'm Devonte, when I'm sitting there and saying, all right, what's going to happen at quarterback? If they, you know, sign a Kirk Cousins or they trade up and draft, well, you know, Jaden Daniels, cool. If I'm sitting here and free agency goes by, nothing happens. The draft comes, they stay at 12. Like, all right, we're going to do Aiden O'Connell and Gardner Minshew. Give me, give me the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, like, call the Jets right now. So I think that's the big thing for me is he probably is right now biding his time, staying quiet, working hard, just training, and is on board with the coaching staff and is happy they stayed, but is like, who's throwing me the ball? Let me know. Yeah, I think it's a Max Crosby and him are very different situations. I think, you know, we've seen a lot of the, should they trade Max Crosby and X to go up to one or do this? I do want to finish with the Bears quickly and the, these three quarterbacks. Um, I know we've kind of gone over what we were going to go over. I, I asked that because Caleb's going in without an agent. <clears throat> cough, cough, his dad, um, which is probably not ideal. If you're an NFL team, you're probably not excited about that news, um, specifically the Bears. I, I guess, you know, we've it's, you know, unfollowing on Instagram season, Justin Fields unfollowing them and then saying it's because you don't want to see them on the timeline was like so dumb. Like, that's such a shitty excuse. Who cares? I don't care who you follow on Instagram or not. I just like, if you're going to have an excuse, like saying you don't want to see anything on your Instagram timeline, when like, that's literally not how the algorithm works. Doesn't matter if you follow the bears or not. Um, welcome to 2024. No offense. I, I just, I watched Justin Fields for 30 plus starts. He's not good. And he might become better. And I hope he's in a better situation, but like the bear situation wasn't horrendous last year, as much as everyone likes to paint it as like the worst situation ever. It's a lot of, it's not anywhere near the Zach Wilson stuff. It's a lot of the same stuff though, where like we like to pretend that 30 or 40 starts doesn't matter for some guys. And the other guys, Bryce Young's already the worst pick ever. And he's had, you know, 16 starts. So um, I would take Caleb Williams in a heartbeat. I still don't understand why we're having this conversation still. I I'm still kind of confused how Justin Fields is worth a first round pick after what we saw with Sam Darnold, where the Panthers kind of thought the same thing. It's all the Jets' fault. Top three, you know, top three quarterback in this class. We saw some awesome flashes, very similar to Fields, different arm versus legs, et cetera. But, like, Panthers gave up way too much for Sam. And the Jets ended up winning that trade big time, obviously. And I don't know. I just – I look at this class, and it's like – for some reason, it's like Caleb and Jaden Daniels and no one talking about Drake May. And I think Drake May is definitely better than Jaden Daniels. what do you? I know it's a lot of smokescreen season. You're obviously emotionally invested in what's going on with the Bears. The whole Fields thing just feels like I don't know. I saw some folks yesterday who I really respect and like Field Yates saying they should trade for Fields and draft Marvin Harrison. If you're New England, like there's just so much going on here. What do you make of the whole quarterback shitstorm? And we'll finish with this. Yeah, it's probably a lot of content creation. Um, I'll say this, like, and we've seen it, heard it from the national people. I've personally heard it, not from anyone in Chicago, but. Like Brad Biggs, who is basically the beat reporter in terms of inside information in Chicago. If if there's a scoop about the Bears, it, it Brad Biggs has it. And 
he wrote in like his Q and A on like Wednesday or whatever Tuesday. It's like I don't think there is an internal debate. Like they they know what they're they're moving on from. Just like it was like he tried to be like kind of nice about it, but he was honestly very direct. He was just like it isn't a question. It isn't a like conundrum. Like they know what they're doing, or they don't know. They don't know who they're drafting. Maybe they do fall in love with Drake May or Jaden Daniels, or you know they, they don't like the like you said. There, there's dynamics where Caleb has a force. I hope for your sake they do not mess this up and draft Jane Daniels over yeah. Caleb. But yeah, whatever. it's the Bears. Um, no, I the only way Caleb does it is if like Caleb makes it very, very clear he does not want to be there and is going to cause problems. I think they would go, you know, whatever, Drake May or Jane Daniels at that point. And, and I think they would force like the commanders to give them like, you know, extra draft capital or whatever. So again, I would take Caleb. I think he's the best quarterback in the class. Um, but anyway, the, the whole – we're going to get way more. Right? There's still more Drake May stuff that hasn't even come out yet that I'm sure we both heard. Not like that bad, but just like questions of like is he gritty and tough and like the late game losses to in, for North Carolina and like, oh, J.J. McCarthy's a winner and like yada, yada, yada. He meditates. Um, he meditates. And I'm actually not as low on I, – I watched um, more tape of J.J. And like the tools I do like, you just you haven't, we haven't seen a whole lot yet. But anyway – it's classic, just pre-draft nonsense. I, it, these four, those four guys are going to go top ten. We'll see who goes where and what. Um, but it, realistically, it's probably just going to be like one, two, three: Caleb, Drake, J- Jaden, and then JJ goes to Atlanta at eight or something. Like it's probably not going to be all that dramatic. But you never know, I guess. Would you rather draft JJ or trade for Fields if you're Atlanta? Draft JJ. I mean, you can do both. Honestly, like you probably should a- do both actually because yeah. Yeah, like that's because JJ is developmental. I, I do. I am now less low on JJ than I think a lot of people are. I still don't want to start him as a, as a rookie. Like he's a true junior that threw the ball 15 times in, in big 10 games. Like I would want him to sit for a year. And then I think I could see what, where I go from there. So yeah, Trey and also feels not getting up. I'm going, maybe I'm an idiot. I'm going up against Adam Schefter. And if fields gets a first, I'll throw a parade down my street. Cause I, there's no chance. There's no chance. I, a second and a day three pick, I'm still pumped. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, that's by the way, coming from someone that watch, actually watched Justin Fields, I've seen all, you know, all the stats. Oh, Fields is better stats than Lamar, Fields is so much better than 2002 Vic. Um, I, my number one gripe, I understand box score watching and highlight tapes and, and Twitter. Um, <laughs> I, I just would say, like, be very careful with, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Luke Getzey was like, dude, I don't want you throwing the ball more than five yards down the field because I quite literally don't trust you. And against the Vikings, who, I don't know, we're starting Malik, <laughs> Malik Blackman, uh, you know, Malachi Blackman, like, love the guy at USC, was a huge liability in college. And they were like, mm, DJ Moore versus U101, like, still don't trust you to throw the ball down the field. So all I'm saying is no hate on fields. It's just like he got better, but – I think if we're going to start doing the he's better than Lamar, uh, who was won the MVP, I think we're maybe simmer down a little bit. Brad, obviously appreciate hopping on as always. We will catch up in a few days in Indy. Appreciate everyone for listening. Make sure you check out Tuesday's episode. Make sure you check out today's episode. Again, full episode of video will be on YouTube. And then uh, Saturday, TOJ Talks, and we'll get you ready for the NFL Combine. Appreciate everybody for listening. We'll talk to you guys uh, later this week.